This is Kevin Conroy, the voice of Batman. This is Lauren Lester, the voice of Robin and Nightwing. And you're listening to the DCAU Review. Hosted by Cal and Liam. Streaming at DCAUReview.com. And on your favorite podcast app. Gotham City is out of control. An entire city screaming in fear. Super villains walk the streets, preying on the innocent. They will learn the true nature of harm. The police are powerless. A creature prowls this urban wasteland. Is that? He moves in darkness. For some, he is a rumor. A name whispered in the corridors of the underworld, waiting for the chance to strike. Let every criminal know the acid taste of fear. You crazy! Gotham has forgotten what justice means. The Dark Knight is here to remind them. Batman. Good guys wear black. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome, everyone, to episode 270 of the DCAU Review. I am Liam, and with me, as he always is, is Cal. Cal, this is a big week for our show for a couple different reasons. 270, it's a round number. It's not a big milestone number, but it's a, it's a round number. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have that, as we'll get to in a few moments. Uh, we, we have a very special episode of Batman to talk about, which ties in a pretty massive uh, comic book event's 30th anniversary, which happens to be this year. And then on top of all of that, we also have uh, the return of uh, one of our favorite special guest correspondents. So this is a big, big episode we got here for number 270. A monumental episode. We should have saved this for like episode 300, but then again, <laughs> not everything would have lined up, I think, for the uh, for this to make make it happen. So 270 works just fine. That's right, Liam. Uh, very excited to talk today as we uh, we do have a very special episode, a very special returning guest correspondent that is directly linked to not only Batman the Animated Series, but this very episode that we're discussing today. And that is the episode Bane. What else would you call it? There is nothing else to call this episode except Bane. And it is, of course, the one and only appearance of the character Bane in uh, in ba- the original Batman, the animated series run. And uh, we have our, our very special guest returning correspondent, good friend of the show and director of the episode among many episodes of the series. Mr. Kevin Altieri will be joining us in just a little bit here to talk about this very episode and. Uh, Liam, it's a fun, uh, fun chat with him as he uh, he remembers everything that kind of went into not only creating the episode, kind of just the general thought process of bringing Bane into the uh, the the show he talks about. And uh, we, we get to ask him whether or not he 
they the, they ever considered breaking Batman's back and doing the whole Nightfall mm-hmm. storyline. He gives us some insight on the general feeling of how the the directors, including Mr. Bruce Tim, felt about the Bane character itself. And uh, we even talk a little pro wrestling with him as we uh, we talk <laughs> about the very heavily uh, heavy influence of the Lucha Libre aspect of the Bane character in this episode. So we have a a lot coming up here in just a little bit, and uh, it's going to be definitely one to remember. And as as fortuitous, as you said, as we are celebrating the 30-year anniversary here in 2023 of the Nightfall storyline, which was such a, we were talking about it before we went on, it was a a cultural phenomenon in a way that uh, I, I don't think modern day comics quite influence and reach the zeitgeist in the same way that some of these these big storylines did from when we were kids. And thinking about just everything that Bane was, the Nightfall storyline and and the way that uh, they marketed DC marketed this storyline, whether it was uh, trading cards or pogs or or action figures like you you really don't get that nowadays when it comes to the to the main line of of, of comics so it's uh this character bane is very interesting and and we're going to learn a little bit today about the the process of bringing that character uh created just a year or two before this episode debuted uh right into the batman animated series world Absolutely, Cal. It's a really fun conversation. We'll get to uh, pretty in pretty short order after, of course, we give you the regular credits and a brief synopsis of the plot. And before we give you all those credits, Cal, I must, of course, kick us off with the official IMDb synopsis for this week's episode, Bane. That is right, Liam. And this episode originally aired here. Uh, in the States, at least, on September the 10th, 1994, meaning we are coming up just a few short months here on the 29-year anniversary of this episode's debut. And of course, the official IMDb synopsis is brought to you by The Pod Tower. Head over to youtube.com slash The Pod Tower today and get a litany of different podcasts available for your streaming pleasure. Not only do you get the entire Tim Talk catalog, which would include a review of this very episode itself, you also get the Jump on the Batwagon podcast, which is currently running through Batman the Animated Series and due to come up on a Bane review, I'm sure, here pretty shortly. Not only do you get both of those podcasts, you get our entire catalog as well, available for you all on the youtube platform so go over what are you waiting for head over today and subscribe head over to youtube.com slash the pod tower today that's right cal so this is as mentioned the official synopsis for bane which was written by mitch bryan directed by friend of the show and a guest you'll hear in about five or so minutes kevin altieri uh, with music by lolita ritmanis and animation by Dong Yang. And that synopsis reads as such. Rupert Thorne hires steroid-enhanced mercenary Bane to eliminate Batman. Short, sweet, to the point. You're not spoiling hey, yeah, anything. A, <laughs> that's true, yeah. We, there's, uh, like we said, Ed, well, we, we kind of go over the plot uh, with, with Kevin, so we don't have, we're not going to go beat by beat, blow by blow like we normally do, but 
suffice to say, we get the the op- the intro of Bane stepping off the plane and and meeting with uh, Rupert Thorne, and perhaps more importantly for this episode, his uh, his right hand lady, that being uh, the uh, the venomous Candace, uh, who instruct him that uh, Batman is just too much for any regular old criminal to handle so they've called in this mercenary known as bane uh, adorned at all times in this luchador mask uh this like very very iconic we'll talk about the look of the character and everything with kevin but uh and uh he's gonna go after batman but uh and he's gonna send him a message which he does by uh just 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 taking 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 poor killer croc to school here just can't get good help these days so I have heard. Candace, when Jake here comes around, tell him he's fired. Now let's do a little business, Mr. Bain. They'll never pin it on me, but that little fiasco cost me an easy ten mil. You almost didn't get paid. You're lucky these diamonds didn't get nabbed in the smuggling bust. No, Mr. Thorne. You're the lucky one. I'm making my secretary available to you. She can provide any background you might need on your target. My needs have already been met. I'm paying you to go after Batman, not Killer Croc. But the Batman will surely be on the reptile's trail. I will observe the bat in action, and when I understand how he thinks and fights, I will break him. Now, where do I find this killer croc? (laughs) He truly just decimates him. And it's interesting, the strategy of Bane in the episode somewhat mirrors what we see in the Nightfall comic book storyline, where he really wants to be this character that observes who Batman is in order to identify any weaknesses and then exploit them. So in order to to kind of be able to do that, uh, he decides to to take on Killer Croc first and then uh, from fighting Killer Croc, Bane fights Croc, not Batman. Bane fights Croc, takes him apart, as you mentioned, absolutely decimates him, leaves him in traction. And then uh, then through that way, sends Batman a message not only sends Batman a message through through uh, through destroying poor Croc, but also destroying the Batmobile. And as Robin points out, you you don't mess with a man's car like that's just not what you do. (laughs) All done with his bare hands, by the way. So Batman shakes down Killer Croc uh, after some some interrogation and some some light threats. Uh, He uh, he he does get some more information on just who his attacker was. And uh, he reveals to him he had a, a South American accent and that he had a tube in his head. Very, very important uh, to to identifying mm-hmm. this character as Batman heads back to the Batcave and being the true detective that he is, remembers that there was a uh, a project in South America in a uh, in a Cuban. Actually, it's in a, I think he said in a Cuban prison to uh, mm-hmm. a project that was sort of mimicking. Uh, what if Cuba decided to to create a super soldier? What if they decided mm-hmm. the Captain America program? And uh, through this, I guess it would be Captain Cuba, not Captain America. <laughs> the Captain Cuba program. El Capitan. There you go. Now wow. we're talking. <laughs> Culturally correct in that way. Thank you. Something Croc said reminded me of a Cuban prison experiment I heard about. Peñadoro prison for lifers only. Then we're looking for an escapee? That's right. And there's only been one escape in 25 years. 
three years ago. Computer, run background file on Project Gilgamesh. Gilgamesh, named after the warrior? The ultimate warrior. A chemical plan to create super soldiers out of hardened prisoners. It was abandoned when they got more than they bargained for. And what was that, sir? They got Bane. After he escaped, Bane went into business for himself as a freelance assassin. Price per job, five million dollars. So the question is, who wants to eliminate me? That line is forming around the block, sir. Let me put it this way. Who has five million to spend? Complete with footage of the actual uh, experiments, we see the uh, the person that was being experimented upon escape this prison. And it's uh, it's quite shocking. And we learn that uh, not only did the, the person escape, but uh, he he had been rumored to be sort of a gun for hire since then. And and uh, and Batman believes that this possibly could be somebody uh, that uh, is come to Gotham, perhaps on the bankroll of uh, of of one of its and one of the higher higher rolling criminals. But uh, knowing that uh, a couple of the other uh, high usual suspects, Roland Daggett on Arnold Stromwell are not uh, not potentially in on it, that uh, has to be rupert thorne behind it and he decides that he's going to make his way uh over uh perhaps to candace to find out just uh just what she may know about this uh this new gun for hire that's right so they uh they head to candace's apartment where bane is there and we get kind of the the intrigue of this episode where uh, we find out that candace has uh become a little bit uh taken with bane so to speak and is kind of already uh throwing some options his way of uh, of what could happen once uh, once he destroys batman what could uh, what he could then perhaps take over thorns uh thorns operation as well and kind of rule gotham with uh, with her by his side of course i have anticipated his every move very soon now i will allow you the pleasure of drawing the mask from batman's decimated face with Batman out of the way, Gotham could be yours. So could I. And what about your employer? Well, accidents do happen. See you tonight. And uh, and as they're they're speaking, she she ends up leaving the apartment. It's actually not Candace's apartment. This is I think this is Bane's apartment. Oh, that's right. Uh, so uh, Candace leaves, and Batman tells her in the Batmobile, hoping that they'll leave they'll lead to some sort of uh, update while Robin stays to keep an eye on the apartment. And uh, this leads to Bane kind of very suddenly getting, uh, getting somehow across the street and up a building in no time flat. And uh, he and Robin have a, uh, have a, a brief, brief dust up. And uh, unfortunately Robin is just no match for the, uh, the brute strength. So mix it with a bear hug. That's right. It's there's a there's so much pro wrestling in this episode, which we we delve into very in depth with uh, with Kevin. But uh, yes, uh, knocks knocks Robin out and uh, and takes it. Meanwhile, Batman follows Candace to the apartment, and uh, Candace sort of just explains how that even before Bane took this job, he was sort of fascinated by Batman, wanted to know everything about him, and uh, 
Also, Candace happens to let Batman know that while uh, he's been spying on Bane, Bane's been watching him as well. As uh, as Batman looks out the window, he sees something in the distance that catches his eye. It's actually Robin's tunic, his shirt hanging there with a note telling him to meet, telling Batman to meet Bane uh, to settle this once and for all on a ship titled uh, very aptly "The Rose's Thorn." So that's uh, that sets up our final battle, which again we'll get into in much greater detail in a little bit here, with Bane and Batman going back and forth while Rob is sort of being he's he's like strung up by his wrists being lowered into a pool with the with a giant weight around his ankles and then if that's not enough once robin gets free from that once batman's able to free him from drowning he then has to uh take candace on one on one and he rob robin has a rough time in this episode we'll just <laughs> he's, uh, he's really put through the uh he's really put through the grinder in this one but uh that leads to Batman. Batman's trying to fight Bane, but just can't quite stop him in any way. And that's before Bane pulls out that secret weapon once again, which we saw him just sort of alluded to seeing him uh, use on Croc earlier. He presses the button on his wrist and we see the liquid begin to flow right into his brain as he begins to grow even bigger and more muscle bound. And uh, Batman really can't do anything to the point where Bane is just batting him around and then he grabs him he picks him up above his head and it seems as if we are on the road to recreating that very famous jim Aparo image of batman of batman being broken across bane's knee but thankfully the dark knight has uh, one last trick up his sleeve that's right when uh during the scuffle as you mentioned uh he threw a batarang that bane caught uh, and uh, did away with crumpled it with his bare hands and threw it to the side but uh, during a barrel roll through the legs that Batman pulls off he uh, he manages to grab it and as Bane has him up ready for the breaking Batman takes the the crumpled batarang and jams it directly uh, into the venom in uh, the venom uh, pump I guess it is uh, sure. housed on his wrist and uh, this causes more and more of the drug to be jammed into his brain slash spinal column, I guess, and uh, causing him to overdose. Toys. You try to fight me with pathetic little toys. You've got nothing. Beg for mercy. Scream my name. Never. You are beaten. Now I will break you. Begs Batman for mercy, which is pretty ironic. And Batman pulls the tube out of his head, causing him to collapse to the ground. And it's at this point that uh, 
Candace manages to escape from Robin's grasps and, uh, and runs away. But Batman uh, agrees to let her go because he knows exactly where he's going, where she's going. And Batman meets uh, meets Candace, Batman and Robin meet Candace back at uh, at Rupert Thorne's uh, office. And uh, that's where uh, Candace is sort of cowering behind Rupert Thorne's desk as Batman walks in, tosses Bane's mask on the desk. And uh, we'll talk a little bit about the visuals and what that means, especially for a Lucha Libre to lose his mask. But uh, as we as we discuss it with Kevin, but drops Bane directly on Rupert's desk and says to try again. But uh, he's not done there as uh, as he also offers offers some evidence. The recorded conversation between Bane and Candace, where Candace had mentioned that she was willing to uh, to help Bane in getting Thorne out of the picture so that he could take over the Empire with her by his side. And uh, the episode ends with Thorne angrily yelling at uh at his secretary for her her perceived <laughs> treachery so and that kind of wraps right. it up so there. The, the, yeah the luchador gets the ultimate uh humiliation as he's unmasked by his opponent and uh yeah that uh, that wraps up our, epi- our episode recap and uh without any further ado cal as we'll get into scores and discussing the plot with a little bit more depth let's throw it over to ourselves in our conversation with special correspondent and director of this very episode, Kevin Altieri. All right, Liam. So we are going to bring in our special guest correspondent now who just happens to be the director of this very episode, Bane. Uh, We are happy to welcome back to the program, director, Mr. Kevin Altieri. Kevin, thank you so much for joining us back here on the DCAU Review. Oh, my pleasure. Man, we're we're excited to pick your brain about this episode. Uh, you know, as we get into discussing the the plot of the episode here, and kind of after our recap, we we recognize that this was a this was a a huge moment in standard DC comic book continuity mm-hmm. here with the Batman Nightfall storyline. And I didn't realize until we were doing the research for the episode. This episode debuted in 1994. That comic came out in 19 like May of 1993. So that's a real quick turnaround to have yeah. to adapt a, a character and even parts of that storyline. Can you can you tell us anything about the, the process of how that came to be uh, adapting such a, a major seminal moment so quickly into uh, into the DCAU? Well, that came in. It's like we we're doing the series. Um, and I remember talking to Bruce um, you know, both Bruce and I were, you know, talking about like this new character, Bane, and we're going like, yeah, okay, here's this Mexican wrestler. It's like, all you got to do is yank that thing off his arm <laughs> and it's done. You right. know, it's like, it's, it's like, it's just that we just felt that, you know, I mean, I did, I can't talk totally for Bruce, but as I remember, mm-hmm. we were going and like, oh, and now because Superman had something happen to him now every you know starting with batman everyone's going to be you know taken out it's like oh he he broke batman's back right and i just it was just something i just you know we just thought was just uh not cool you know (laughs) (laughs) i mean you know it's like i mean yes batman does get the snot beat out of him rather a a lot that's kind of who he is Mm -hmm. and then he comes back Mm -hmm. But the whole back breaking thing and then, you know, it was just it just seemed to um, 
too much like the death of Superman to mm-hmm. me. You know? Totally understand that. Uh, yeah. So was there, from your recollection, was there any pressure from DC Comics as a whole to adapt this character like i said you have your full batman rogues gallery that's been around for so long and i know some of the more modern villains like scarface and some of those had been adapted into batman the animated series this is a case of a character who had just debuted in the comics in 1992 and now like i said almost 18 months later less than a year you're probably writing and and directing this story adapting this character that that while was a a a popular event or it was it was very much in the forefront of pop culture at the time yeah i don't know how popular it was (laughs) um, but you know bruce and i um we just talked about it a lot and i think i don't i think mitch bryan's script i think mitch was talked to after we made all these discussions Mm -hmm. you know about how bane's going to be brought in Mm -hmm. um and the thing is is that we kind of now wanted to do bane to do like because it's like i i looked at him and said you know because we go and say yeah look here's this guy he's a mexican wrestler (laughs) and then we go yes he's a South American Mexican wrestler. We'll <laughs> just do that. And suddenly that was like where we found all of the fun in the episode. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't hook up with the, the DC universe necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, it became the animated universe. Yeah, know, right, right. Like it's, the, it's the interpretation of, right. It's the animated yeah. universe interpretation. And I remember, and I remember this was uh, actually rather, Actually, it's like this rarely did Bruce do like a whole act storyboarding by himself. Mm -hmm. You know, he's doing all the characters and stuff like that. Sure. But he wanted to because I was short one artist at this point. And Bruce said, I'll do the third act, you know. And it's like he wanted to do that last fight. (laughs) Very interesting. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, yeah. So it's like so, yeah, we were kind of on board with that. And um, and just as an anecdote. When this episode was shown at Comic Con, mm-hmm. um, it was shown before it was on the air, Ooh. and and so when it's like now I will break you, and the audience <laughs> is like, oh here it comes, yeah, yeah. and then Batman wins. Right. Like, oh man, it's like some people booed, and <laughs> it was like just the reaction was great. You know, it's like. People said, oh, you lost him. It's like, no, we didn't lose anybody. It's like, it's, it's what it is. You just took the di- story in a different direction. Yeah. I mean, it's funny that you say that because, uh, you know, I think when this episode debuted in 1994, I would have been six, six years old. So I, I remember watching this on Fox Kids when it debuted and having known what was what had happened in DC Comics. Like I said, everyone knew Batman's back got broken and they brought in a different Batman and you have then you have Batman versus Batman. So the, the, those parts of those comic stories were, like I said, pretty well known. So when you go and you see this with the Batman that I, I know and that I'm watching on a daily basis and you hear Bane say the line, I will break you. Mm. And he goes up to do it. I remember the like the feeling in my chest as a little child. I'm like, oh, he's going to do it. And then he does not Like it's that yeah. last little moment where you're like, no, he's not going to do it. Batman's smarter than this. Batman will figure a way to outsmart this guy. That's just yeah. pumped up on steroids. Well, it's yeah, funny. And, yeah, yeah. And I love the fact that he's also, we also created uh, and I think this is a much better Bane 
Mm -hmm. Wait, it was uh, Henry Silva, right? Does the yes. voice. Mm -hmm. Great performance. Absolutely. I mean, he's, and it's like, because once we just said, you know, you're, you're, you're El Santo. Mm -hmm. like, ah, you know, he's, he's got it. It's like, no problem. Yep. Like, I love how he says stuff like, con su permiso. <laughs> just, just so rich, you know. Absolutely. And uh, in the way he is, and the whole thing, one of my favorite characters um, in the whole pantheon of Batman the Animated Series is Candace. Mm -hmm. Ah, she's great. Which, you know, it's like, I loved drawing Candace in like uh, the uh, Two-Face, mm -hmm. where she shows up. It's like, you know, she's just, she's just so bad. She's mm -hmm. evil. Yeah. yeah. And she's, she's cut through the fact that she's person. willing to, to turn on her, her own boss. Say, she has designs <laughs> already that not only is Bane going to kill Batman and Robin and anybody else, but also yeah. she's already like planned out his next 10 years of <laughs> taking over yeah. for, for Rupert Thorne's whole organization. Yeah. And God bless Bruce. Cause there was like one thing, the, one of the things I asked for him to do, you know, he says, so you have any instructions or anything? It's like, I don't, you know, it's like, I'm, I don't really give Bruce instructions. <laughs> no. It's like, he's doing the board. I'm like, just grateful. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, and I, he, I just said, you know what? The only thing that really that is my input directly was the fight between Candace and Robin. Mm -hmm. It's like Robin, once he's free, he's not in a hurry. <laughs> clearly you know it's like but you know so it's like come here sweetie you know and, and so she goes about that actually was that does, so for the for the story was that done so that robin didn't have to be involved in the bane fight was there yes. okay yeah yeah it's like it's it's basically it's like because you know he would you know he'd be it would be the two of them right and it's got to be it has to be batman versus bane right it's it's the outlaw versus yeah. the sheriff at right. that point Right. And, and people have said to me, oh, well, you only did that because it's like, look, Robin just got knocked up, choked out by Bane. Yeah. He's been hanging by his wrists with a, I don't know, 500 pounds from his ankle. Yeah. Right. And it's like, so when Batman goes in to rescue him, Batman just, you know, Batman tries to, he says, no, no, get the weights. Mm -hmm. yeah. He's basically, he'll be okay if right. you just get the weights off his ankle. That's his problem. Mm -hmm. So once that happens, now he's, you know, he's been hanging here. He's been half drowned, all that. And Candace might have a chance. <laughs> right. Seriously. Yeah. She, you know? she seems like she's ready. I mean, there's a scene where she's, she has the upper hand and is drowning. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, and it's also, but you know, Robin also is working from, uh, you know, and it's like, it's actually kind of a fair fight because Robin's not trying to kill her. Right. Right. She is trying to kill him. She's like she, she gets like a handful of hair and the nails are digging yeah, in. Like she has going her, for the know, eyes. So it's like that's the only thing that I, I kind of can take credit for. Is like, you know, <laughs> you know, she takes her shoes off and yeah. just dives on them, you know. <laughs> She's ready to, to get in there and yeah. try and kill him. I love that. Yeah. By the third time, you know, of course, Robin gets the upper hand. <laughs> right. And it does it does break up the Batman fight, too, pretty well, because you have the intensity that's building with that. And then you have the cut back to this. It's not yeah. comedic, but it's it's entertaining. It's, you know, who's getting the upper hand between this this worn down Robin and, and Candace. If, really, there's really any moment, if there's any moment that, that I would compare it to, it would be uh, James Bond and you uh, um, in uh, where he's fighting with Thumper and Bambi. 
There you go. There you go. Because <laughs> yeah, he's just, I mean, it's just bam. He's just getting taken out. Sean Connery's just getting taken out. They end up in the pool. And then the FBI shows up at the CIA and they're like, you okay? Yeah, yeah, just hang on a second. You know. <laughs> I love it. It's like, so it's kind of that's kind of the thing we were going for. I love it. And something that um just to uh give bruce his due no he's he's on the series at this time he's a very busy guy mm -hmm. you know? he's doing a lot mm -hmm. character designs and you know taking meetings and all that mm -hmm. um i've got the whole board done you know not i didn't do the whole board myself but you know sure. yeah yeah it's like but the board's assembled and stuff and the only thing that's missing is the third act and i'm going bruce i don't want to be a pain in the ass but why where's the third act you know we got a, we got a ship mm -hmm. he's like yeah, yeah i'll get to it you know he disappeared <laughs> and i'm like jesus there's only three days left you know mm -hmm. so i'm like okay he's the boss i mean i really can't i mean i'm just trying to <laughs> in my head i'm coming up with a contingency plan right of what we're going to do maybe i'll be able to grab dan reba or someone to help out mm -hmm. i don't know um but then um, the next day, Bruce comes in and he goes, bear, boom. I'm like, when the hell did you do this? <laughs> and I remember seeing a rough and going through it. And he says, you got any changes? And I said, no, 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 this looks good. You know, it's like, it was just, it was, it was his rough board, which is, you know, pretty wow. complete. Mm -hmm. And then, okay, you know, it says, and I said, well, we'll make a copy of this and then we'll be good. You know, we'll have the rough board, you know, we, we can do changes. He says, no, no, I'll, just, I'll take care of it. Next day, like he goes home. It's not done. He goes right. home. Uh -huh. The next day he goes, there, boom, <laughs> inked. inked. It's like, you know, with a, with a flare pen, with a, you know, the barrel um, marker. I mean, inked. The whole thing was inked, complete, with black and white. You know, beautiful. Incredible. Yeah. It's like now. <laughs> I mean, that was like that was like a magic trick. <laughs> so much drawing involved. I mean, you look at that act, and, and really, um, yeah, every, didn't, every yeah. scene there's like, there's something in motion. Like it's yeah, yeah there's a lot yeah. a lot to that stuff. Yeah, not to mention inventing the ship, the background. Oh, yes, of course. Mm -hmm. Those are all invented on the board. Mm -hmm. so, anyway that was like i mean i used to be i used to be fast but uh, and i've done boards that fast but jesus <laughs> that's that incredible. was that was shocking yeah and, it, and it's great you know it's great and it's like and the weird thing is is this particular episode usually um like the way batman fights the way that um storyboards are done by i think uh you know me mike gogan i think brad raider was on this one mm -hmm. the way that we board is a little bit different than the way that bruce uh boards mm -hmm. bruce uh tends when he has a fight with batman there's tends to be like big haymakers and stuff mm -hmm. that really works for bane yes because batman's got to bring it up from the ground to make it work you know his usual chops and stuff don't work so it ends up being like a like a mexican wrestler fight I like he has to, kick him around the head and right 
there was so much it felt like and that was one of the things that we talked about was like it felt like that fight scene was directly like like he watched a lucha libre fight and was just like all right what can i pull from this the all right he's gonna grab him he's gonna do the neck scissors he's gonna throw him off the ropes and clothesline him like we got (laughs) we got different different uh lucha libre moves in here with the villain who's literally a lucha libre so i was gonna say yeah it's it's funny you mentioned that you know the idea of the way you guys kind of cracked bane being that he's an evil an evil mexican wrestler so to speak and because it feels like that when he walks off the plane in the the three-piece suit and the the fedora yeah. but he's got his mask on the whole time and he's you know like it feels like very sacred and that's obviously if people don't know like that in lucha libre culture is very sacred they're never seen in public without yeah. their masks mm-hmm. even yeah. when you know, weddings funerals whatever they're in that mask all the time and then all the way going towards the end where batman takes the mask yes. off that's the shame. That's when the, you know, the wrestler loses his mask. That's like a great, you know, that's a great shame. That's usually the end of their career in Mexico. So it's like you play out this entire Lucha Libre career of Bane in this 22 minute cartoon. Yeah. No, it's like, I've been in that. I think we're pretty successful. Um, And another thing too, is like that we kind of threw in was the, I mean, of course it's Mitch, you know, doing the writing, Mm -hmm. but the fact that the mask thing, where Candace wants Robin's yep. mask. Yes. Yep. She doesn't, she doesn't, I gotta, she doesn't say, I don't know who he is. Right. She's like, I want his mask. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, that was also very, very intentional. Yeah. I mean, those little things that you see, like as a, as a kid, and we talk about that all the time when we're reviewing these episodes, it's, it's that's what makes this series timeless is that it was, it was a show that kids watched, but it was written for adults to appreciate. It wasn't, you didn't ever talk down. You guys never talked down to your audience or oversimplified things to the point where, uh, you know, you were insulting those that are watching. And that's why now as adults, we're, we're rewatching these and, and reviewing them and going back like, man, I never would have picked up this subtle hints and references to Lucha Libre culture and honor and all of that stuff. And the, the mirroring of the mask at the end where he takes the mask off and hands it to, like you don't pick up on that stuff but you can as an adult and pick it up and, and it's just makes you appreciate it even more yeah and, um, I, and i love that i like the contrast too where we're cutting back and forth mm-hmm. and again i've said this about robin the key to robin is that you know you know everyone says you know how can robin take on the bad guys that he mm-hmm. does and all that how can he do it i actually talked to lauren lester about this <laughs> but um yeah, it's like, no, Robin is fights really dirty. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, if anyone noticed that, like, I mean, I don't know how he is in most of the other episodes, but certainly in ours, it's like mm-hmm. in Demon's Quest, he just punches yep. this guy in the nuts. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> you know? Absolutely. Yeah. You know, it's like he fights with, he takes the fish and he's like, it's totally, you know, and he does the nunchuck thing. Yep. You know, mm-hmm. Where he just mercilessly beats this guy repeatedly and then pow, yep. he takes him out. Mm-hmm. And uh, the thing here is like, the only person that fights dirtier than Robin is Candace. <laughs> Love that. Like she Real. bites him and yep. it's like, you know, <laughs> it's like, Claws, yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, very good. Um, so based on uh, one follow up, I guess, to the the whole adaptation of this from the or adaptation, I would say the adaptation of the character uh, to this uh, to this episode. Was there ever for one brief second a discussion of Batman being broken for the series? No, no it was from the get-go, no, Bruce and I were just like, you know, I mean, if I remember right, you know, it's like 
because DC would send comics, you know, you know, mm-hmm. Bruce got like, and Bruce is like, well, look at this. Like, <laughs> it's like, so now we got, so now there's going to be detective comics and it's not going to be Batman. It's going to be this other guy, right. you know, and that's what it was. I felt like, and I, I felt like that was just dumb. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Batman just disappeared from Batman. Yeah. yeah. You know, and it's like, oh, you know, we're going to have to recruit someone to take over Batman's job. It's like, right. no, it's like, it's not a job that has to be filled. <laughs> like, it's like he's compelled to do this. It's like, he it is Batman, he, right? He does. It's right. what Batman does. It's what Robin joins him, right? You mm-hmm. know, in this for similar reasons. Mm-hmm. Who's this guy? <laughs> right. What was it? A red outfit, you know, yes. with a big stupid cape. And like, <laughs> very, very early '90s uh, aesthetic happening there. Yeah. But... And I'm like, oh, come on! It's like that belongs with Superman's long hair. Yep, there you go. <laughs> yep. The, the, the long hair Superman. Superman. <laughs> Superman mullet. There you Which, go. Yeah, I think yeah. it's it's the what's the the phrase is what uh, you know fixing something that's not broken type mm-hmm. of thing. Yeah. Of, if you yeah, if you're not. The idea of uh, you know, well, we want we want to sell more comics, so we'll do this big shock event. It's okay. Did you have anything in mind after you do the big shocking event? So, like for instance, if you if you guys had taken that thing, like okay, what do you do? Five episodes where Batman's just not in it, and then you have to build. No, the- no what you do <laughs> is you know what you do is you go. His back's broken. Next episode. You know six months later right right the you know robin's on his own the town's gone to hell like crime Mm -hmm. is because batman's not there they think batman's gone and then it's about batman coming back but yeah you don't have to have like a whole well how long was it a year two years yeah i think think from from the start yeah, yeah from the breaking and then there's about six months of the new Batman and then old Batman comes back and then they have to have their big fight to pay that off. And yeah, it's, and I think it's over a year by the, by the time it's all said and done. So it's yeah. a lot of time. And if, and in the meantime, if say kids are watching Batman, the animated series, and then go to their comic store and go, Hey, I want to read a Batman comic. I like the yeah. show or I have the toys or whatever. And they go and Batman has big metal claws and, uh, and red eyes yeah. and it doesn't look anything yeah. like, what they're seeing and, on their tv screens they might again, walk right back out of it and, and not buy yeah. a comic at all yep. no i just don't buy it and the whole thing too is yeah this guy with the claws and it's like this murderous guy that mm. batman has unleashed on the city it's like what the it's like batman he does not kill right <laughs> he will not use a gun right he won't right. he doesn't have claws <laughs> <laughs> It's like he wouldn't allow it. He wouldn't allow it. This is this guy that supposedly takes his place. Batman would have taken him out as a vigilante. Right. You know? yep. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't even even like the Punisher doesn't put up with vigilantes. Right. <laughs> you know, he is one because but he doesn't cause collateral damage. Right. 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 Precisely. Well, that's that's great. I, I, I as far as the episode is concerned and the, the plot of the episode is we can we can give some scores here and uh, Kevin, hopefully give us give us a score of your own here. But at, so we go one from one to 10, 10 being the best here. Um, you know, I, I I love the way that you guys took a, a character, like I said, that was that was so 
so in focus at the time and you swerve at the, you, you think people think you're going left and at the end you go, right. I appreciate yeah. the way that that was done. I appreciate that it wasn't just, well, we're going to do what they're doing in the comics. We're going to adapt this. Um, I think it does feel like a rapid pace for the episode. Cause you have to introduce this new character. You have to establish how powerful he is. I love that the opening both the introduction of the character and then the scene where he ends up beating up Croc, it's all designed to make you feel how powerful this character is. You have what yeah. 12, 10, 10 minutes of screen time to establish this guy has to be a threat to Batman. How do we do that? And in the first couple scenes, it's he's big, he's getting out of the plane. People are gasping. He's bringing down the weight of the car. Um, yeah. You know, he's, he's Kicks hulking a heavy ass. bag off the, off the hook. Uh, yep. He's pumping the... iron there, like doing do it in his free time. Uh, so you have to establish that he puts one of Batman's most well-known, powerful monster characters in, in, traction <laughs> so you establish that yeah. this guy is is no good he he means yeah. business um and and so i wonder if if you guys had been given maybe more time for a, a two-part episode whether or not that would have slowed things down maybe if you if you it because it does feel like there's a rapid pace here at times you have mm. to you have very little time to establish that it would have maybe felt that for me maybe felt that final fight oh a little more intense. Um, but I don't know how, how often you guys were given the leeway to make a two-part episode or what that process was like when you decided, hey, this story's too big for one episode. Very rarely. I yeah. mean, you know, like Two-Face, mm -hmm. because it's Harvey Dent, mm -hmm. who's his pal, mm -hmm. that that was a two-parter. That was like, mm -hmm. well, Catwoman, I think, was the first two-parter. Right. Mm -hmm. Yep, Cat, Cat um, in the Claw. Demon's Quest yeah. is another one that you guys... Yeah. Guys. Now, yeah, in Demon's Quest, like Rachel Ghoul, mm -hmm. he that that needed to be two parts. Oh yeah, right? for sure. Yeah, Absolutely, that needed. You know that that was just Rachel Ghoul is just that big. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Well deserved. With that said, I think with a 22 minute episode, I think the pacing works well. I love the final fight. It's so brutal. It's it's a lot more violent, I think, than most of the uh, the fights I remember yeah. from happening. It's close to his punches and i was gonna say, I say and the bs and p mm -hmm. the thing is you you establish like bane is like a monster mm -hmm. so and also the broad the broad aspects like the way that bruce boarded it it's like it's big like smashing a box on his head right you know? right everything's big mm -hmm. so that actually, and he can take a mooring gun in the chest. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So I, I, I think with that, it's paced very well. Like I said, I love the the ending and with Batman. Batman doesn't even haul him off to jail. He just drops him on Rupert Thorne's <laughs> desk and is like, yeah. there you go. Nice try. Yeah. You, go. you deal with it. Yeah. Um, no, he's he, Bruce knows, uh, Bruce Wayne, Batman knows that Rupert Thorne, you know, that this is like, Okay, Candace, you want to get punished? Right. <laughs> you know, he doesn't even he doesn't even say, no, no, we're not even gonna chase her. I know where she's going. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, this uh, is it. It's like Bane, you Bane is such a nothing to him now that he's right. just like, here, you know, what are you gonna do? You flabby. <laughs> <laughs> right. Precisely. Uh, I ended up giving giving a plot score of seven out of ten. I think it's really good. I I I have a near and dear like love for this episode like i said just from the core memory of the intensity of wondering whether or not batman was going to be broken mm -hmm. um you know i i think i think for what the episode is asked to do introduce a this character 
make him a threat, have the final fight between him. Um, I think it's, it's really strong. And uh, I, I love the Robin kidnapping aspect too. That was, you know, that kind of creates this extra set of, of intensity of, was, of, uh, of stakes. I was going to say, yeah, it's not something that we see in every episode. Like, as you said, right. Like no. Robin, Robin's shown to be very capable on his own. So it yeah. feels like it sets up this dude is really bad because he just, he took Robin apart real easy. And in a way that, with the exception, I guess, Rachel Ghoul, who also, you know, they get the drop on him in Demon's Quest too, you know, showing up yeah. in his dorm but, room. So, you know, that's right. Yeah. But that's only, be, but it's only because Rachel Ghoul knows who Bruce right. Wayne is. You know, right, right, right. He knows Bruce Wayne's identity. Right. He knows Robin's identity. Right. So it was, it wasn't, it wasn't relied on as a crutch for, for you no. guys on the series to just, put the kid in danger and that makes the stakes higher. So I, I yeah, I appreciate it when it, when it does happen, it feels earned, I think in that way. Absolutely. But uh, yeah, I ended up going with an eight out of 10 for my plot score for, uh, for that All reason. Right. I just lo- love the way it's laid out. And like we've talked about, I really love that aspect of uh, the, the, the evil Lucha Libre uh, wrestler <laughs> coming to town and challenging the champs, so to speak. Love that. Yeah. Kevin, well, you I'd, give the score? I'd, give, I'd give this script, you know, a nine out of 10. There we go. Just because unfairly, you know, it was like kind of like, this is what we want. <laughs> and uh, Mitch uh, Brian delivered. There you go. Absolutely. I love it. You know. All right. So we'll move on to our next category, which is going to be the animation and visuals aspect. I didn't make a note. Which uh, which animation studio did this We have one? Dong Yang to thank for, yeah. uh, for this one. How were they to work with as well, a studio? Um, well, it's deceiving because... Um, Don Yang would actually farm, they, they were actually a company that would farm things out to different mm-hmm. systems. Mm-hmm. Um, so my guess is that this was uh, early Sun Min animation, I okay. think. Okay. It's hard to tell mm-hmm. because it's like Harley's Holiday is Don Yang too. Mm-hmm. But Harley's Holiday, the animation is like everything I could want. Right. Especially animating the hyenas. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was, I believe, DR movie. Okay. okay interesting back at that who was very good you know they were all mm-hmm. tms satellite studios gotcha um so i'm i'm kind of disappointed but then again you know like i'm disappointed in a lot of the animation right you know right. people look at it and go like oh my god this is a classic and i'm like well you know I, but when it comes back i am nothing but critical right right i imagine as somebody who has this vision as the director the vision in your head this is what it needs to look like and then you get it back yeah and it's and it's not like it's never going to be what it it, what in your brain what it should look like or what it could look like yeah and you're going to be the the harshest critic because it's coming from your your brain it's your your baby (laughs) kind of like i look at it and i go like the airport stuff you know it's like they don't quite get the aircraft correctly in my mind. You know, there's just things. And, it, and it's like, again, but again, it's not a big budget. Sure. Right. These were not big budget cartoons. Disney was spending. And Sony animation too, mm-hmm. at the same time, Sony's like spending like, you know, at least $20,000 more mm-hmm. per episode. Wow. <laughs> um, Warner Brothers is not the was you know they were one of the cheapest studios in the business mm-hmm. at that time. They got great results, you know, especially TMS would you know really pour it on. Yes, Don Yang did very good. Mm-hmm. Um, 
yeah, you know, it's like I look at this and some of the scenes are great. You know, it's like just like the animation's like great, you know, A plus. Mm -hmm. And then in other times, you know, and like for instance, it's like you look at the different stuff, it's like Killer Croc. Um, the Killer Croc stuff is some of the best stuff in the episode. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. You know? And then there's the stuff on the ship, which is some of the best stuff in the episode, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. and then there's like and then you know what the probably the best bit of animation is when batman i and i love this it's like i actually i think i storyboarded that myself i'm not mm -hmm. I, I seem to do remember doing the drawings but when candace goes back to her apartment mm -hmm. you know opens up the the closet which is a mirror and then closes it and batman's right there you know so classic <laughs> the animation in that is really good and the best part is she's watching TV, mm -hmm. and when Candace, you know, when when uh, she leaves, mm -hmm. that little bit of animation on the TV set, mm -hmm. <laughs> I, and I can't remember. I think that little those little characters that are animating, like that's some of the best animation in the whole series. It's a nice little. <laughs> it's a nice little detail of like, oh, yeah, she, she was watching TV and she leaves, and you get a visual of what the cartoons that were on the television. Yeah. Like, I seem to remember that being designed by Dan Reba. Interesting. Could be by my, I mean, that could have been Mike Gogan too. I'm not sure, but just like little. <laughs> so good. <laughs> yeah. I, just two little characters getting <laughs> one chasing the other. Okay. <laughs> so I was, I was going to ask, so the actual Bane design, the character design itself, you know, we, there was a book that came out maybe, maybe 20 years ago now called Batman animated that I believe is narrated yes. by uh, by Paul Dini. And he mentioned that Bruce had taken the kind of the early takes on him and was kind of a very Kirby influenced design. Do you remember yeah. who kind of, did you, did you have any hands on the final touches on him or? Oh no, that's all Bruce. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, it's like Bruce may ask, you know, it's like there, there are discussions about how we are like, no, no, he's a Mexican wrestler. It's mm -hmm. Santo, you know, it's right. Santo gone bad. Right. <laughs> that, other than that, that's just Bruce's design. I was going to say, yeah. Was... He would come into the room and say, there, what do you think? You know, and I'd be right. like, looks great. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, I can do something else. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, from, from that book, the earlier designs definitely had, a, a, I think, a little bit more of a Kirby influence on, like, the buckles on the boots and things like that. But then the final design definitely has, has more, like, the classic you know, rest, yeah. wrestler boots and, and things. Mm -hmm. Once, I guess, you guys knew you were really going to lean into that. Yeah. That's I I, yeah, design-wise, that's all Bruce. Mm -hmm. One of the other things, um, uh, so this, some of the, the elements, the, the original Bane story, at least, the breaking of Batman comes from uh, Batman number 497, which had um, pencils from uh, Jim Aparo and Jick, uh, Dick Giordano did the, the inks on it. But one of the, one of the things great that artist. I caught. Great artist. Absolutely. Incredible. Absolutely incredible. My, my question is, there's two scenes uh, so the the famous panel of Batman actually being broken in the comic is 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 pretty. Uh, it's notorious. It's a very sure, memorable yeah. panel. It's all red in the background, and Batman's being broken over Bane's knee. There's two separate scenes. One is the first scene where Bane pumps up and uses the venom for the first time. There's an all red background that's used, and then when Batman kind of overloads the venom at the end, yeah. that same effect was put on. Was there any influence that you remember from those panels or anything, or was it just a visual? effect that was used to like um, intensify things that's just something that you know that i do nice. and then and that certainly um comes from uh the days 
me, Dan Reba, Brad Rader back at, and Mike Gogan back mm -hmm. at um, Deke in the 80s. Mm -hmm. And we were like obsessed with uh, Miyazaki. Mm -hmm. You know, we studied Miyazaki. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of, but it's not just Miyazaki, that's kind of a going all the way back to the 60s mm -hmm. it's a japanese animation trope you know oh, for sure yeah that's yeah. just something it just it's like we're you know it's like a classic color card yeah kind of thing that's all and it's like and it just seemed it just seemed appropriate there it's not really not. <laughs> it, it wasn't really like the red background from there yeah. and it just seems yeah. like when his power comes on mm -hmm. that's yeah. what it is in the heart pumping sound yeah it just it just seemed very appropriate but it's like, you know, I, I would do that stuff. If you look at episodes that I do, it's like mm -hmm. there's many things like that. It's just mm -hmm. it's just us doing the same thing we, we, we've done before. Love it. I love it. I, I mean, to me, it, it is like an, it's the exclamation point on that scene of you knowing, OK, something bad is about to go down or this is the intensity is turning up in this in this scene with the power that he's you know, he's getting from whatever this drug or, you know, is, is pumping through his veins at this point. So I, I, I do love that little it's just another one of those little visual cues that that end up uh, that end up adding to the, the scene in and of itself. I, say, I love that we the full transformation that he goes through when the uh, when the venom kicks in, you really don't get that until that last act because we we see it almost off screen in that initial it's all shadow. He <laughs> Kool Aid Man's into the room uh, to, to fight Croc, <laughs> yeah. and we hear cop, you know, and then we see it. We see maybe the the stuff start to go in, and then you see the shadow, the silhouette grow larger, but yeah. we don't see it until that third act. So I love almost it's like the movie monster. You don't quite get the reveal of the of the mr hyde until that third act yep that's it's intentional yeah there, there's a lot of movie monster <laughs> glad, dna glad you noticed yeah <laughs> movie monster dna in in bane especially in this interpretation of him you get the when you get the flashback of batman watching the surveillance video of him and he sits up very you know frankenstein like and starts destroying everything in the room and killing the guards and whatever else yeah. happens yeah one was more there was more and i think i think that was mostly um, mike gogan but there was more to that scene but hmm. just bsnp was like no <laughs> <laughs> very interesting we have the one guy show up we have the one guy show up with a tommy gun mm -hmm. you no know, and you'll see bane just like knocks uh -huh. it down. Uh -huh. but there was uh there was more you know there was more interesting but yeah they, it's yeah they they're like no 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 the stuff <laughs> the stuff on the cutting room don't, floor. man yeah, don't don't make it so obvious that yeah <laughs> oh man that's that's great what uh one of the other questions that i had and this is something that was used throughout um there's scenes that stick out in my mind um from the two-face episode fr from the demon's quest but i know it was a trope that was used throughout uh different episodes of bat the original batman the animated series run so you have certain scenes that are that are painted they're not they're not animated you may have a piece of the yeah. that is animated what went into the decision making when would you guys decide like okay this scene or what was the thought process behind this scene doesn't need to be a full animation uh, you know, piece here, we're going to do a, a still painting. And that happens like two or three times, I think, in this Bane episode where you get a, a painted uh, section where nothing else needs to be animated, but it's a, it's clearly just a painted cell. Yeah, well, that's just something that we always look to do. Mm -hmm. 
it's it's like that that actually um for the most part for us um that came as kind of homage to fleischer brothers that's mm-hmm. what we thought <laughs> uh, yeah it's like it's 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 what fleischer used to do you know it's like from popeye and mostly you know in superman certainly mm-hmm. superman cartoons and that's you know it's it's one of those things that when you see it you know mm-hmm. you want it. i mean chuck jones would do the same oh right? yeah absolutely you know um and i can't remember who did like the the giant one it could have been arthur davis i'm not sure it was either frizz freeling or arthur davis mm. did the bugs bunny mm-hmm. and as soon as i saw it when i was a little kid like that's in my head mm-hmm. and i and you want to do it so you know where bugs bunny the giant like you get to the big close-up of the giant and bugs bunny's walking and it's like it's all painted the giant's just painted now mm-hmm. it doesn't have to move I love so it's just one of those things you always try and work in and 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 in batman we were able to do that i was gonna say it also probably is there's a side effect of what we just talked about of not always being thrilled with what you get back from the animation studios where there it's mostly out of the studio's hands it's like you guys get to really set that you know those images to be the you know, yeah, like the yeah. one that always pops in my head is like the Riddler debut or or something like that. Like you mentioned, Two Two Face certainly, like like those those some of the more iconic images that people constantly still to this day talk about from the show, and you know, having it be a still image there, you know, maybe also cuts down on the chance of it, you know, coming back a little off model or a little little less than yeah. you guys being a little less than thrilled with. Well, don't worry, they screw that up as much as they screw up. <laughs> <laughs> like those those get called back a lot too it's like mm-hmm. what the hell kind of a painting is that <laughs> <laughs> happens quite often very on. interesting uh well I, yeah it's it's interesting because we whenever we see them the first thought that we have is fleischer fleischer superman so that's it's great to hear that that's that's uh that's yeah no that, that's that's completely the influence Love and it. it's intentional there you go uh as far as the the visuals and the animation for the episode like i said i think well kevin you're going to be the harshest critic because you this based on how it turned out for what you were looking for i think for the most part it's a it's a pretty it's a it's a fun episode i love like i said that first act establishing just how destructive bane is where you get him breaking through the wall also the title card the title card itself yeah, that title card is badass. Man, so, so good. It Right away, estab- again, you're establishing this character, bringing him into this universe that, hey, this guy's walking through a wall here. Like, you have this back silhouette. <laughs> and then to kind of, re- to have that portion be in the episode where he breaks through the, you know, the sewer wall and decimates one of Batman's most, you know, heavy duty villains mm-hmm. um, is great. And then you have the, you know, him destroying the Batmobile with his bare hands. <laughs> I was, was going to ask actually, so what, so I imagine you're, is the title card done last? So is, does that, is that Eric Radomsky taking an image from the finished cartoon and going, that should be the title card for um, the, They, I, don't remember that certainly mm. happened because that was after the board was done certainly mm. okay Very so it's like sometimes they'd happen pretty early on a lot of times they happen after the animations come back okay very interesting you know because they the painters we had like I, I think that was painted by john calmet i'm not okay i'm not positive but anyway you know that once the decision's made for what it is you know 
those things would come come out and it's like most of the time i get to handle the original you know what do you oh, think man. you know <laughs> we've been clamoring for a co- the, those need to be collected in some sort of like a coffee table like book a coffee table book they're so iconic yeah. and beautiful like and so often the memories linked with episodes go with those title cards being established it just just, yeah. just beautiful pieces of artwork um Liam, any uh, anything stick out for you for the the visuals for this episode? Well, that you... I think we already touched on it a little bit when we were talking in the plot, but I just love how much like wrestling moves are done in that final <laughs> that final act. Like yeah. you know, Batman yeah. doing the head scissors and flipping him over, and and Bane Bane, as you said, Cal, throwing him off the ropes of the like the you know the guardrail of the ship and all of that, and and just like that when when there's a shot where Batman kind of goes to do like some body blows. And he's just, it just looks like he's hitting a wall. Mm-hmm. Like it's just, yeah. Bane's not budging an inch. And I just, I love the way that that whole final act kind of comes together as a, and, and ultimately the way Batman triumphs isn't by punching harder, you know, like oh. he, he has to use his he brain. Outwits. I love this, honestly. And it, 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 I didn't remember it. I remember that he beat him with a batarang, but I didn't remember that it was the crushed batarang. And I love that even in the animation, you see Batman roll over and quickly, if you're able to catch it, he snatches the the batarang yeah. off of the ground. Just and it's in his hand the whole time yeah, until yeah. until he uh, playing possum, yeah. playing possum there, so he could he can. Yeah, out. no, it's like he he waited till he was raised over his head and he can yep. get at that stupid little box. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, love it. Um, one or two other other sequences that I really enjoyed. I love when Robin is is spying on on Bane and and Thorn, mm-hmm. and then we get the scene of Bane sneaking up behind him, completely in silhouette. It adds to that that monster mm-hmm. character feel of like, oh no, we can see the monster sneaking up on our hero, but the hero doesn't know yet. Mm-hmm. So good. Yeah. And he got there real fast. Sure I was going to say he, he, his steps are like three of normal human steps, I guess, because of his <laughs> yeah. size. He was, you know, and the, and the thing is, is like, you know, he, he comes up the wall, right? <laughs> right. So he, he climbed the building. <laughs> Just insane. Um, and then there's a couple of other Batman in silhouette, you know, as, as you mentioned, the, the one that, that Kevin mentioned in, in Candace's apartment. And then we have it again in the, in the uh, jail cell with, I love killer croc, the visual of killer croc in the traction, just like this, this monstrous <laughs> character that Batman just messing with the traction to get this information out of him. Oh man. Yes. So, so good. Um, I really like the visuals for this. Uh, I ended up with a, with a solid eight out of 10 for this. What about, what about you? Lee? Yeah, I think uh, if it's not clear, uh, Kevin, I'm a I'm a huge wrestling nerd. So, uh, so this is this is so that aspect, which again is not something I remembered from previous viewings of this, of how steeped in from the character work to the to the visuals and the animation, uh, I actually went with a little bit higher with a nine out of ten for my for my uh, anim- animation score. Kevin, I'll, I'll abstain. You abstain. <laughs> All right. Because it's fair. not fair. My opinion's not fair. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> He's his own harshest, uh, own harshest critic. That's fair. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, let's move on to our next category, which is going to be our music uh, for this episode. And uh, the fantastic Lolita Ritmanis responsible for, for the music yep. for this week. Um, from the title card forward, you you just you get the doom and gloom of this gigantic, massive character that's come into Gotham yeah. City to take out Batman. Um, so it almost feels like that when that Bane theme comes in, it's like steps, mm-hmm. like yeah. as like when he moves, the theme moves with him, kind of thing. 
Yeah. Now I'll say one thing, mm-hmm. and I and I give music. I give this ten out of ten. Yeah. <laughs> but what I kind of wanted was guitar, mm-hmm. like flamenco guitar. Oh, that would have been neat. <laughs> but you know that. But then that's not. But that's not monster sure right totally understand that yeah you probably could have infused that in some way or maybe even in the final battle you had some of that that going on there i like now that now the lolita, lolita and everyone else was correct you know they're, they're, they're <laughs> correct. i but i was just thinking you know wrestler you know just right right wrestler, you know and that would have lightened it up True. Oh, for sure yeah, yeah absolutely so they're correct you know i'm not there's no complaints how much did when you directed episodes did you guys have communication for what you uh like direction or just a general idea of music or was that all stuff that you just gave to her and and miss shirley walker and everybody else no no we always there's always discussions Mm -hmm. before it's like especially especially with shirley Mm -hmm. um like i've told people this uh, several times but like Shirley would come into the office and say, you know, so what do you, you know, she'd actually come into the office and say, I'm going, okay, I'm working on Two-Face. So any thoughts, you know, let me know. It's like, what do you want? You know, Mm. thinking. And then um, like one time I went there, I remember I was with Bruce. Um, He says, "Uh, Shirley was working on Two-Face. Let's go, you know, go to the, she wants us there. She wants it. She wants your opinion. Mm -hmm. So, you know, Bruce and I go there. Mm-hmm. And, I, and we're sitting there you know like in the back and we go like whoa holy sh! there's like <laughs> five piece orchestra here right maybe it was only 35 but it was a lot you know yeah. mm-hmm. cellos you know just every you know it's like it, it's and it's in one of the warner brothers you know sound stages not not a sound stage but you know like where they record music big screen and Shirley's like oh good you're here okay now i want you know your idea See what I'm going with this. Mm-hmm. Okay. Here comes the image. You know, I'm like, whoa. <laughs> and it ends. And Bruce and I are just, whoa. <laughs> and she turns around. So, what did you think? <laughs> uh, it's great. No, no, don't you, you see? It's like she's looking for an argument. She wanted input. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it's like, what are you gonna say? It's like right. you know, it's it's perfect. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank you. I'm. Can I just sit here? Tremendous. Well, <laughs> <Right>. I, mean, <laughs> I love that. Yeah. yeah I, it's, like, it, it's just. It was just hard to. I mean, there. It was so good. She was so good. But yeah, they. But they. They wanted input. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But which makes sense. And I. I. Yeah. I you know, as if you're working in a visual medium on a regular basis and you hear this just massive, impressive, incredible piece of music, I, I can't imagine jumping up to say, actually, I think you could have used a little more xylophone. It's, it's like yeah. the first thing that jumps into your more, head. I need more cowbell. Right. <laughs> there you go. Um, but Liam and I talk about it all the time, Kevin, about how important the music was to this show and how a lot of times in episodes, it feels like its own character. And specifically, I mean, I think this episode is another one of those that you can point to. We talked about it, the heaviness of the character, the monster character, the, the compositions that Mr. Romanus worked on for this episode to do that emphasize 
this the the threat of Bane to this Batman character and help establish this guy as a real threat. And uh, man, just an, another another amazing thing about this, say, especially and what we talk about is how these these different categories that we talk about all work in concert to bring you yeah. this you know the great package all together where as we mentioned, we don't really get the full reveal of Bane's visually. We don't get the full reveal of Bane's full power until that final act, but we hear the music when, yeah. when he's standing there in front of Croc and we see the shadow grow and, and we get this really, you know, like you, you start to like kind of turn inward, like you get a little bit claustrophobic <laughs> in that moment of like, Oh yeah. God, Croc's got to get out of here. <laughs> like, <laughs> like he's going to die. <laughs> like, and, and that, a lot of that comes from, yes, the, you know, the silhouettes and everything in the, in the visual department, but also from that music and the way the score builds to that big crescendo, even though we're not seeing the, the horrible violence that is being implied. Well, and that's a shortcut. Mm-hmm. That's an animation shortcut. Like, you know, you, you, you know, it's like, there is only so much money we have for animation. Sure. And so that's a clever, you know, way that we make the decision very consciously. It's like, okay, we're just going to hear him getting the snot beat out of him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and it's like, it's much worse than, you know, what ha- what could have done this to Croc? Right. Mm-hmm. He's not even trying to get away from Batman. Mm-hmm. It allows the viewer's imagination to create what the yeah. level of violence was. with, And you avoid the, the BSMP, uh, <laughs> you right. know, right exactly. backs of, hey, you can't show that on, on, uh, in your cartoon. So uh, I love that. Uh, it, music, very strong for this episode. Very enjoyable. I gave it a 9 out of 10 personally Liam, what about you yeah I'll, uh, I'll agree with our guest here i'm also gonna give it a 10 i think yeah. I, just, I just love that bane theme and the way he, the yeah. way it marches with him as he you know as whether he's lunging towards robin or or when he's you know hulking up so to speak and getting <laughs> the the venom into his system there so very good all right, our last category of the day is going to be our voice acting. Uh, we have uh, we have not not a huge list this week of actors to talk about. Okay. Kevin, we'll talk about any uh, any thoughts or memories. Uh, last time we had you on, you shared some great stories. Anything that you remember about the uh, the casting, other than what you talked about already with the casting of Arbane uh, and him getting it right away? Anything else you remember well, about, about this? Yeah, I mean, it's like just when we when we when uh, talked to a little bit with Andrea um mm-hmm. she would you know call up and say so you got any ideas you know about this episode or whatever you know like when it, when it came out and it's like so we're hitting on that the Mexican wrestler thing mm-hmm. soon as you said that she's like you know <laughs> she, she casts it you know wow. and Silva you know it's like and, and it's like what are you gonna say you right <laughs> right like you know it's like well what do you see for you know Mr. Freeze it's like you know you, you kind of describe he's like this cold emotion. He says Michael and Sarah. Mm-hmm. Okay, you know <laughs> but that that's kind of how that was. Uh, and of course, Candace. Mm-hmm. Oh, just fantastic! <laughs> just, you know, it's like I I wish that she could have been in more episodes. Yeah, yeah, we were uh, we were talking about that a little bit before wait. we uh, went on the air here. Wait, was that Meredith? Uh, who played Candace? It's uh, Diane Michelle, I believe. Yeah, yeah. just. What a great nasty voice! <laughs> right, she's yeah. It's it's, yeah. it's overt she's evil, like sexy. a sultry, evil, <laughs> evil. Yeah, like it's kind of like it's kind of like you had young Lauren Bacall, you 
know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Spot on. But, uh, it's like, you know, the, just, the, the, you know, the few people there. And of course, Lauren Lester is perfect. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. It's, like it's perfect. He, he totally gets Robin. And, and uh, you know, some people have said, you know, it's like, boy, how'd you feel about having Robin and, you know, the, the Batman? It's like, because early on, we kind of didn't have Robin so right, much. Sure. sure. And, but you'll notice when Robin shows up, you know, in the episodes, it's like, you know, yeah, well, he's not there all the time. Mm-hmm. But when he's there, it's like there's no, you know, yeah. This one's like this is like Lauren's really good, you know. It's, it's like one of the few times where it's like he's way up front, yeah. You know, yeah, he plays like in Harley's. Role. Yeah, the only other one I'd compare it to would be like Harley's Holiday. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, good luck with Zippy there. <laughs> <laughs> just just like how he dresses, you know, and he has the best line. I mean, this has got nothing to do with this one, but just. Yeah. I mean, his delivery is just so perfect. It's like he's such a sarcastic teenager. Yep. It's like it's like what was she before she before this happened? (laughs) He's a clinical psychologist. (laughs) (laughs) So good. Um, We'd be remiss, of course, not to to mention Kevin Conroy's amazing performance in this. Yeah. Yeah. God, that's that. That hurts. Uh, I can imagine, I, as somebody who who knew him, that must be it. Yeah. Must be pretty yeah. raw and and. Uh, but yeah, that's pretty recent. It's it's that was um that was terrible. Yep. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I know, I know, I know he was sick, but uh, you know, I you know, still is that that was like a you know psychic ball punch. Yeah. yeah. Just suddenly that happened. That was like you know, it's just terrible. It's like because. He's one of the, he, you just look forward to seeing him. Yeah. yeah. Every convention, you know, it's, he's at and it's like, and he, you know, and it's like, he knows you. It's like an end to end. You can, and he really, and he's really happy to see you. Mm-hmm. The last time I saw him was at um, the uh, New Jersey Meadowlands uh, East Coast Comic Con. Mm-hmm. Um where I was on a panel with him and Lauren and Diane Pershing, you know, anyway, and, and Andrea was there too, mm-hmm. but yeah, like again, hadn't seen him for a few years. And it's like, I had a booth there where I was, you know, signing and doing artwork and stuff. And he comes over, Wow, <laughs> you wow. know, he comes over to say hi, Lauren too. It's like everyone, like they, you know, they, they're busy. Right. They're busy. They're like the actors. Like I, yeah, I'm kind of busy. Yeah, <laughs> they're busy. You know, and uh, and uh, he was very conscious when he would go out with the, the whole fan circuit thing. Like he gave a hundred percent. Yes, absolutely. Um, and he made everyone. You know, he he was very conscious of being Batman. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. what it means especially to kids especially yeah. to kids and he's like he's he was just to see him like just interacting the way he would do it it's uh just just really great you yeah know? that was the yeah. thing that that we i mean unfortunately we never got to meet him in person but every interaction that we have either witnessed whether you know seeing a video of him or hearing other people's chances whereas that he was just the most genuine kind loving person you know and and really relished the batman mantle and saw it as as something to yeah. 
take care of and to, to really relish and to use for good. <laughs> and I'm, I'm sure this yeah, happens. Yeah, with, with a lot of actors, you know, especially with Kevin having such a, you know, brilliant stage career, you could understand being a little bit, you know, tired of hearing about Batman after <laughs> a couple of decades, but he never no, was. Like he, yep. he really appreciated that and, and wanted to, you know, to give back to, to everybody that, that loved him and, and gave him that uh, and gave him that adulation. He seemed to give it right back. So. Yeah. And now there's the, I mean, there's no, well, I don't know. So yeah. voice wise. There, no, yeah. one can touch him. no one can touch him for that role. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and it's like the, the most wonderful thing was um, there was only one discussion, you know, at the recordings mm. where he would, you know, where there's these things where it's like, when he's Bruce Wayne, and this is pure Kevin Conroy, mm-hmm. it's like you notice Batman's voice. Mm-hmm. That's Bruce Wayne. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When Bruce Wayne is with Talia, mm-hmm. it's Batman's voice. Mm-hmm. He's Bruce Wayne, but th- that's his. That's who he is. Mm-hmm. Batman is who he is. Mm-hmm. Bruce Wayne's higher voice mm-hmm. is that's the put on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that's Kevin Conroy's invention. And it's very convincing. They don't sound like the same person. Mm-hmm. Nope. Not at all. I but they are, and yet they still are. And even at that, when Bruce Wayne gets mad, you know, he's, you know, he's not a pushover. Mm-hmm. Like in Holly's Holiday, the performance is just wonderful. Mm-hmm. How we go from, you know, going, Miss? Miss, knocking <laughs> <laughs> on the door, uh-huh. and it's like, but he's not a pushover, you know, at all. And it's like, you know, it's like, geez, who dresses you? <laughs> you know, awkward. And he's like, well, actually, <laughs> that's just wonderful. It's, it's wonderful, just that. Um, now he's like, he's just so gifted with that. Yeah. And it's hard work too. Oh, absolutely. And the way he could kind of, I mean, I think about like you know, in Mask of the Phantasm. When he's doing when uh when the the DA is kind of mentioning Andrea to him and he's wants to get out of the conversation, he says, "Here's your handkerchief. You know where you can stick it." <laughs> That's still the put on Bruce Wayne voice, but the real Bruce yeah. is starting to poke through there. And like the mid levels where he could still be in the public persona voice, but yeah. know that this is a real emotion still coming through in that was was always very impressive. Yeah. And like someone that talented, and it's like just the fact that every time he saw you, you just felt like you were the most important person mm. at that moment. Absolutely, that's been a thought that I heard reiterated over and over again. So that's, I mean, that's, um, yeah, it just it, it incredibly missed. And I mean, one of the things that we talked about and continuing to review these episodes is the the bittersweet aspect of of hearing that voice and, and appreciating. W- what incredible performances and what an incredible human that he was. Um, but also knowing that this is the, you know, there, there may not be more, more in the can going forward. So there's not much new content left, but I, I think this episode from, from everything, I, the, the line that got me was when the, the line directly taken from the comic, say my name right before he's about to break him. Yeah. 
and he says never the way that he delivers <laughs> that with such intensity and spit in the face say, it's almost clint character. eastwood in that moment like he's oh, so-, so good uh man like the, the everything from the, the, you know, his conversation with Alfred that we're joking about being, you know, being from man to man, destroying his car and, jo- and having a, <laughs> that yep. jocular uh, it, way of, sh- of sharing that with Alfred, you know, Ephraim Zimbel yeah. Jr.'s Alfred. So good. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it, it made the entire episode for sure. Absolutely. I was like, my one, my one last note about voice actors, of course, uh, John Vernon as Rupert Thorne, that last line, <laughs> is like burned into my brain when, when he when he plays the recording of candace and bane and he just king of the world walks out of the room having won the day and you just hear candace is this the best you can throw at me rupert Go on, Candace. Take his mask. Thought you might like to hear this, Rupert. It's a new release. Maybe we'll call it Better Luck Next Time. With Batman out of the way, Gotham could be yours. So could I. And what about your employer? Well, accidents do happen. Candace! Incredible. Oh, Mr. Vernon, such such a joy. I always love when we get yeah. to visit with that character. Yeah. No, it's like, yeah. And again, hell of a nice guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there you go. So it's like every time you'd see him, it's like him, Bob Hastings, mm-hmm. you know, you know, Ephraim Zimbalist Jr. They're like, they remember things that you mentioned about your life. Mm-hmm. Wow. You know, like if I said I was going to a concert, I was going to go and see like, you know, Tom Tom Club. How was that? You know, was it good? like you know, next time you saw him a couple months later, it's like they'd remember all that stuff. Caring individuals. It's it's great when you hear people that you look up to were actually, you know, good people too. It's always good to hear that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, as far as scores go, you know, it's hard not to not to give a perfect score for this, but I'm gonna give <laughs> oh yeah, no, these guys this, this for me too. It's like, no, this is like I I, I can't say it. it's like <laughs> And the thing is, it's like that this is um, even a lighter cast. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't go to the commissioner. You don't go. It's like there's so many people who are not involved. Yeah. It's a, it's and a, yet, you know, it's solid. Yeah. And, I, yeah. and if you listen closely, there's a, I believe it's me, it's me and Bruce. There's some grunts and stuff. <laughs> 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 but I, I i can hear i remember doing you know That's they just get to, it's like like where you know, the guy with the police is like <laughs> <you know>? <laughs> <laughs> oh that's so. great so tens across the board for our, our voice acting scores here um well that's great we will uh we will begin to wrap things up and get our final scores here uh but kevin thank you so much um for joining us on the episode today um you know it's 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 always a treat when we have you on to discuss this thanks for the behind the scenes look and sharing the stories and giving scores and uh sharing your thoughts on this uh this episode that means so much to to liam and i yeah no problem my pleasure So totaling up our scores at the end here, Liam, I end up with a 35 out of 40, and you end up with a very strong, and putting it in our top pick section, 
37 out of 40. We're going to give Kevin an incomplete score since he abstained from our animation and visuals category. <laughs> Thanks, us, from a while ago when we recorded that interview. Uh, yeah, Cal, this was a this was a great show uh, to to watch and a great show to uh, to recap with Kevin and hear all those thoughts, all his uh, behind the scenes stories, both uh, both uh, working with Bruce Tim as a storyboard artist on this episode, their their kind of reluctance or lack of excitement, we should say, perhaps for uh, even using Bane in the series, and. Uh, course on a on a bit more of a serious note um you know his his conversation with us about uh about the the late great kevin conroy was just beautiful and, and very touching so we we always thank kevin for his time and uh for for being so honest and being so uh so uh willing and and generous with his time for us so thanks again to kevin uh for for joining us this week and uh, we hope to have him back on soon Absolutely. Yeah, it was great to hear. I, you know, I, I love the insight. It's interesting that so the DCAU wiki talks about how uh, the, the the writer of the episode, Mitch Bryan, who I didn't realize only worked on on three episodes for the series or was only credited for, for three episodes of the series. Hmm. But uh, they're they're pretty important ones. POV uh, on Leather Wings and then this one. So go, go figure. But uh, Mitch mentions uh, apparently mentioned in an, in an interview that uh, you know that Bruce Tim had had mentioned the episode was done under duress, which makes you <laughs> think that this is a, a you know as we talked about with Kevin, sort of a directive. And it's interesting hearing just the general thought process of of what the perception of the Bane character was, especially uh, when he seemed to be such a, a a pun intended large figure in the, in the, the main continuity at the time, but makes a lot of sense why maybe, uh, you know, shoehorning this type of character into the, into the series was a little bit more difficult and uh, maybe not as welcomed as, uh, as one would think. So lots of incredible insight. Thank you again to Kevin uh, for, for his time and his, uh, his uh, willingness to, to, be open with us and, and, and share some of those memories of, of this episode, because uh, yeah, it's, it's an episode that's near and dear to our hearts. Another one we had on videotape, another one, again, I think just from the cultural impact of the, the nightfall storyline, when we, we had, we had Bane introduced into this series, you know, kind of f- figuring out how it was going to fit in there. And uh, I, I love that Kevin was just like, no, we never considered breaking batman like it was like, like, he was a joke like it was we didn't we didn't like bane it was it was dumb we thought it was dumb like yeah and and the way they kind of came around to the idea once they came up with that angle of him being you know kind of a, a hired hand and also sort of as as i mentioned sort of pulling from some of the great uh, stars of lucha libre pro wrestling in mexico over the years this guy who never removes his mask, this kind of, uh, you know, inter- international man of mystery sort of thing going on, like how they were able to crack the walnut despite their their initial uh, disinterest in working with the character was was fun to hear about how that that process came together as well. I was going to so, say, it, uh, did, one... it did not show up in, uh, in how the final product came up, that there was any sort of disdain for the character. You know, I don't think... Maybe, would... Yeah, I mean, he, he looks like an oaf in that final act. But again, that's... <laughs> I think for the the way this character is portrayed, this isn't you know necessarily the the cerebral mastermind that's putting Batman through months and months of torture and 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 wearing him down. This is a in this case he's a hired hand and and uh, you know comes back a few times in the new Batman Adventures and Superman. 
So uh, not the end for this character in the DCAU. So we'll have plenty more opportunities to talk about him in the future. But uh, yeah, as, uh, as we begin to wrap up today, Cal, we want to thank everybody for listening, uh, whether you do so on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or of course, as Cal mentioned at the top of the show, on the Pod Tower YouTube channel, where once again, you can subscribe and get content from not only us, but also from uh, the great uh, Jump on the Batwagon podcast, uh, archived live streams from the Watchtower database, and uh, of course, Tim Talk's back catalog as well. So lots of great stuff for you to listen to. Uh, if you'd like to support our show more directly, other than subscribing on your favorite podcast app, a great way to do that. There's a couple of links in the show notes. You can either head to our store and pick, your up, pick yourself up some merch, or of course, there is a direct donate button where you can uh, buy us a coffee if you so choose we have a few people that do that every month and we are very appreciative of that so uh, those links are in the description as well and uh, cal as we begin to wrap things up uh as we talked about it's the 30th anniversary of nightfall bane is uh we've got bane on the brain so to speak and we thought we might keep that bane train rolling uh into next week with our fifth saturday of the month and that means an Elseworlds tale is upon us. How long have you been working on that Bane train line? Just came to me just now. Incredible. What an incredible mind. Bane on the brain and Bane train back to back in like 10 seconds. It's a beautiful mind. I'll just say that. <laughs> you guys don't you guys don't know how lucky I am to, to <laughs> from the brilliant mind that I have, the creative comedic <laughs> mind of my brother Liam. That's right, Liam. We are going to take a trip around the Elseworlds, a trip around the the multiverse uh, to visit another Elseworld. And uh, we are going to be uh, checking out a world that we have not visited very often, actually. We've visited uh, maybe a handful of times before, at at least two or three. But uh, it's it's one of those that I think, uh, one of those worlds that hasn't quite gotten its flowers yet. And... uh, you know, we're we're probably coming up on some some important anniversaries of of this show here. Maybe I think next year might be the 20, 20th anniversary. 20 yeah, 20th anniversary next year. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, maybe some of the nostalgic feelings start coming around. It's tough because it quite uh, it, it lives in the proverbial shadow. Uh, pun intended of the of the Batman animated series, but uh, we're gonna we're gonna check out an episode of the uh, the 2004 at least that was the year it debuted uh, animated series The Batman, which of course uh, does not take place in the DCAU, but uh, came right after uh, kind of the end or the the wrap up of the the DCAU D- Justice League Unlimited was still going on at the time. Mm-hmm. Responsible reportedly purportedly for the the famous Bat embargo. Uh, in the DCAU, but uh, yeah, for this this episode, keeping with our theme here, uh, at least for this episode, and uh, celebrating the 30th anniversary of uh, of Nightfall, we are going to talk about that episode or that series uh, debut episode for the character Bane and the episode Traction. Absolutely, a much much different take in, on Bane. If you're a, a more of a comic book traditionalist and you like seeing a version of Bane that just tears through Batman the first time they meet, well, this is the episode for you. So we'll be uh, definitely looking forward to discussing that episode next week. But until then, I'm Liam. And I'm Cal. And we'll be back soon with another episode of the DCAU Review. Adios. Adios.